Man, the week's over already. That went kind of fast. Feels like it went kind of fast. Although it's easy to say that today. It's Friday, you know? The Pete Callender Show. Welcome aboard. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, 704-570-1110, and 1-800-WBT-1110. First off, got to uh, just make the announcement. I know it's April 1st, April Fool's Day, so um, no, I, I don't. I don't try to play tricks on you. I just think it's it, it undermines credibility. No, I'm just kidding. That's no, I'm seriously. I'm not going to play any April 1st jokes on you. So if I say something, generally speaking, it's going to be the truth. Unless, of course, it's some of my, you know, well-known sarcasm and wit. Where I say things that are actually opposite. But I do that every day. It's not an April 1st deal. Um, also, not a joke. Not an April Fool's Day kind of a thing, but uh, we have a new co-host for the morning show, Beth Troutman, joining Bo Thompson on uh, WBT for uh, the morning program, so starting uh, Monday. Yep, uh, they announced that this morning. Welcome aboard, and uh, do not hold the fact that she eats peanuts with the shell on them. Do not hold that against her. As one who ate peanuts that way for a very long time myself, I can tell you, don't knock it till you try it, and then after you try it, you're free to knock it, but you should try it first. Um, but you can't, you can't do a lot of it. You can't because it's, it's very dry. And I think it was it was either Bo or Jim Zoki who said, and it's a perfect description, it is kind of like eating a balsa wood plane. Like balsa wood, you know, like one of those little glider plane things. Okay, so uh, Beth Troutman, new Morning Drive co-host of Good Morning BT with Bo Thompson and Beth Troutman. So congratulations. Welcome aboard, and uh, we'll have her on the program next week. I think we're going to line that up and uh, get to know her a little bit. So um, people are getting to know Madison Cawthorn a little bit, don't you think? He is, yeah, he is prime villain number, uh, well, probably number two or, yeah, probably two. I think number one is Marjorie Taylor Greene. Well, no, I take it back. Number one would be Donald Trump. Number two would be Marjorie Taylor Greene. So number three... Maybe Madison Cawthorn, but he seems to be moving up in the list of uh, evil villains. And Lauren Boebert is on that uh, list as well. And then you start getting down into some of the old generation, the, the, the Tea Party folks, you know, Mike Lee, Marco Rubio, Ted Cruz, Mitt Romney. No, I'm kidding. He was only briefly a villain. And then came Trump, and then he's not a villain anymore. That's how that works. So... Yeah, Madison Cawthorn, he got called down to the principal's office. Ooh, he got in trouble. And I feel the need to point this out just at the beginning of uh, uh, of sort of this review of what's been going on. There is a term called a preference cascade. Preference cascade. Have you ever heard of this term before? Think of it like this. Uh, slowly at first... And then very quickly. It's a preference cascade. Usually it comes about when um, people wake up and realize that they are not the only ones who feel the way they do. And a really good example of this was Rush Limbaugh. That Limbaugh tapped into and attracted and appealed to an audience that had thought they were alone. They were seeing things, reading things. They had a different take on some of the current events. They had other questions that never seemed to get asked or answered by the uh, mainstream media outlets. 
and uh, maybe, you know, a bit of a contrarian point of view on some topics. And along comes Limbaugh, and he gives voice to that. And all of a sudden, quote-unquote, all of a sudden, he's got this, you know, like a rocket taken off uh, this radio show that's now got all these affiliates and and all this reach, and he becomes legendary. That's a preference cascade. There's a, here's another one. Um, you've got a there. There was a video of this uh, done. It's like a sociological sort of breakdown of a a silly little video. It came from a rock concert. There was a a guy dancing. You know, they're out at the lawn. Like, is it still called Verizon or is it Blockbuster Amphitheater? What's it called? Well, it's definitely not Blockbuster. Is it still Verizon? No. What's it called now? PNC? No. Is that what it is? PNC. Okay. Sorry, I've been away for a couple of years. So. There, it's like that, you know, they got the lawn where everybody hangs out on the lawn. So you got some guy and he's dancing out on the lawn. He's all crazy dancing and people are kind of, somebody's like shooting a video of him and um, they're kind of mocking him for the way he's dancing, that he's kind of weird. And then one person shows up and starts dancing with them. And at first I thought, I, I th- when you watch it, it looks like the first guy, the first follower who is very important. The first follower shows up and it looks like they're almost mocking the dancer, the original dancer, the prophet dancer, if you will. So you got the the first, the prophet dancer, he's dancing weirdly. Second dancer comes in, maybe sort of mockery, but but mimicking and dancing as well. And then the all-important second follower, because that person then sends the signal that this is acceptable behavior. And you watch this happen in real time. It's like a just it's just a home video, whatever. Somebody shot this video on the lawn at a rock concert. They were laughing with their friends about how this guy is dancing crazy. But after that second person shows up and starts dancing, all of a sudden you just start seeing people start pouring all around it. And the next thing, you got thousands of people dancing all around the sky. That's a preference cascade, right? That's that's what that means. There are a lot of experts, quote unquote experts in North Carolina political punditry, let's say, who seem really, really, really perplexed at the concept of a, a preference cascade. They seem they seem uh, truly baffled as to why all of a sudden Republicans have some questions about Madison Cawthorn and how they they may not be cool with Madison Cawthorn. Like, well, I don't understand what happened. Oh, no, no, no. See, this is this is because he attacked Republicans. That's what this is about. See, so they 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 run down. Well, here you go. This is the uh, the moral preener uh, in chief here at uh, WRAL. Travis Fain, our old pal Travis Fain. He has since blocked or uh, muted me on Twitter. He doesn't. Except every now and again when he... He'll send me a message and ask me for help on a story or something. But then he then he mutes me again so he doesn't have to see me trolling him on Twitter regularly because he says stupid stuff. He says really, really stupid stuff. I can't help it. I'm a moth to a flame on this. All right, look, I know myself. I have self-awareness on this. When someone in a position of expertise or journalisming when, when they say stupid stuff, I can't help myself but retort. I just can't help it. I'll tell you what he said up next.
News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT, 704-570-1110 and 1-800-WBT-1110. Pete Callender here, and uh, thanks for hanging out with me. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. You can get the podcast, by the way, at uh, WBT.com. So Travis Fain is a, a political reporter at WRAL, and I always feel the need to point this out. WRAL is sort of the 800-pound gorilla on uh, the the statewide political scene for TV news stations. You got the News and Observer, you got AP, or I should say McClatchy, because it's the Observer and the News and Observer. But the Raleigh paper covers the legislature. And, I mean, yes, you got CBS 17 and that sort of thing. But WRAL is the, is the big one. They've got now, I think, three different people that cover North Carolina state legislative politics and government. Three people. Laura Leslie, Travis Fain, they do like a daily update. So this is their bailiwick. So when I see Travis Fain go on to Twitter and, and post these, uh, these Dear Diary tweets, is what I call them, I'm a moth to the flame. Like I said, I just, I cannot help myself. And so here's what he wrote. Because he's just baffled. I'm just so confused by... What is up with this Madison Cawthorn backlash from Republicans? Here's what he says. Quote, so you can lie about the Naval Academy, the Paralympics and your accident, be accused of sexual harassment, call Zelensky a thug and January 6th rioters political prisoners, say Democrats will end freedom and call people to rise up. But Coke orgies, that's the bridge too far. See, Travis pretends to be this stupid. He pretends to be this obtuse. He's not. This is for clout. That's what he's doing. He's chasing clout. You know what that means? When you're chasing clout, clout is a measurement of uh, your social media impressions and your influence. And uh, people chase clout in various different ways. They, you know, do shocking videos or, uh, uh, you know, pictures uh, that are provocative, let's say, in, uh, you know, them posing in various ways. And, Uh, People buy followers. That's another way people do it. They buy followers, and then those followers uh, usually, you know, out of some bot farm, they amplify your messages. And uh, some of these things are against the terms of service on Twitter and other social media platforms, to be sure. But this is how people go about doing it. They try to, and look, this is, you know, in a media entertainment complex, you try to get noticed. And this is how people try to get noticed. So Travis... You can tell he gets way more interaction because I watch it. He gets way more interaction when he's aiming his sights at Republicans. In fact, this one got him a retweet from Molly Jong Fast. You know who that is? She's a leftist who got hired by the, quote, conservative outlet. What was it called? Uh, the Was it Bulwark? I think it was Bulwark. Or is it Dispatch? Or is it Lincoln Project? Or is it? I forget. It's one of those it's one of those grifter organizations from the right that was so anti-Trump. They're like, let's go ahead and scoop up a bunch of money from the lefties who will look at us like, you know, we're we're fellow travelers. Anyway, Molly Jong Fast is she's a leftist that was hired by one of these never Trump uh, uh, publications and um, uh, life of privilege. Her parents like some famous New York theater people, playwrights or something. Anyway. She amplified Travis's tweet today, and so he was just rolling around in the likes and the retweets today. Oh, yeah, he was like a 2,000 or something. He was somewhere in that neighborhood. And um, 
It's an act. It's performative. Travis pretends to be this stupid, this obtuse, this ignorant and naive about the very beat that he covers. That's giving him the benefit of the doubt, by the way. I'm giving him the be- I'm I'm trying to cast this in the best possible light for Travis. Because if you really don't understand what's going on here, you really don't need to be covering politics. What he's doing is is taking a shot at all uh, every single Republican that has not been sufficiently vocal in disavowing Madison Cawthorn. While also, by the way, I should point out, not bothering to force Democrats to play the defend or disavow game. That's what I call it. The D or D. The D or D game, right? It's like the, uh, you know, it's like the dice game with dragons and stuff and dungeons. Except it's, it's a stupid game. D or D. Defend or disavow. As soon as a Republican does something that the media is, oh my gosh, clutch my pearls, hit the fainting couch. Uh, when they revive themselves, they then run around and try to get every Republican to shoot their own wounded on the battlefield. That's the purpose. And in the culture war, if you could take people off the field, then chances are you're going to be you know, more successful in your campaign. And that's why Democrats don't get forced to play D or D. They get to ignore the crazies. For example, has anybody in North Carolina politics asked anybody in the, on the Democratic side of the aisle about Maxine Waters? Any of her calls for violence offend the sensibilities of the overly offended in the media corps? No. No, you don't see anything like that. At all. No, you get the, oh, Congressman Price is wearing a Duke hat and a Carolina hat. Oh, my gosh, she's so fantastic. That's the coverage you get about North Carolina Democratic congressmen. I note the difference. I see the difference. I point it out. The other thing is, who is Travis Fain speaking to when he asks all these questions? That's the bridge too far. Who's he speaking to? Who's he asking this of? Ostensibly, it's Republicans. But it's not. He got 1,700 likes on Twitter, and that's really what his pedestrian observation was about. Moral preening to attract clout. He never asks anybody else to play the D or D game. But because I am a giver, I am going to provide the answers to his questions. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. You can also email Pete at thepetecalendarshow.com. And uh, remember, get the podcast at wbt.com. So a lot of people in the media and uh, on the left side of the political spectrum, but I repeat myself, they are all of a sudden all making the exact same joke that... Madison Cawthorn, congressman from uh, uh, Henderson County, which is you know just outside of Asheville, Western North Carolina, 11th Congressional District, that Cawthorn has now uh, gotten sideways with the uh, national and state Republican establishment, these Republican Party leaders and all these candidates. And now all of a sudden people are willing to call him out because he disparaged them. So. And, and they point this out to say what? That 
everybody should have done this earlier, that everyone should have disavowed Madison Cawthorn before right now, before he went on the podcast and made comments about orgies and cocaine. And if you're not aware of what that story is, don't worry. I mean, we, we went over it the other day. Well, here, I think I actually still have. Uh, yeah, I do here. Let me see. I heard a former president that we had in the 90s was asked the question about this. And he gave an answer that I thought was so true. And he said, the only thing that's not accurate in that show is that you could never get a piece of legislation about, uh, about education passed that quickly. He's talking about a story about House of Cards when the cast of House of Cards they were at some party. Robin Wright, who played the first lady in that, um, what's her name? Underwood, Carrie Underwood, I think it is. And she uh, was at, she was talking with an Obama administration official who told her that House of Cards is very similar, except you couldn't get a, a, an education bill passed as quickly as the show did it. That was the joke. That was the story. Cawthorn incorporated that into his telling of these stories. And everything else is good. Uh, aside from that, I mean, the sexual perversion that goes on in Washington, I mean, it, being kind of a young guy in Washington, remember the average age is probably 60 or 70. And I look at all these people, a lot of them that I, I, you know, I've looked up to through my life, I've always paid attention to politics, guys that, you know, it, then all of a sudden you get invited to, like, well, hey, we're going to have kind of a, a, a sexual get-together at one of our homes. You should come. And I'm like, what, what, what did you just ask me to come to? Yeah. Uh, and then you realize they're asking you to come to an orgy. Yeah. Uh, or, or the fact that, you know, there's some of the people that are leading on the movement to try and remove, you know, addiction in our country. And then you watch them do, you know, a key bump of cocaine right in front of you. And it's like, wow, this is, this is wild. A key bump of cocaine, somebody who's leading the efforts against addiction. So that then prompts, <clears throat> well, so the Republican lawmakers, they always meet like once a week. They have these caucus meetings. So they all get together and, you know, leadership says, this is what we're working on. Here's some messaging. Here's the strategy. Um, and it was during this meeting that Representative Steve Womack from Arkansas, a Republican who rarely speaks during these meetings, he stands up and addresses his colleagues and said he felt he had to address the topic because he's now getting questions about Cawthorn's comments. Because people are saying, he needs to name these people. If you're talking about people leading, you know, anti-addiction, anti-drug efforts, that sort of thing, and they're actually going doing coke, you should you should rat them out. We should know who that is. These people who are pretending to be Christians and they're engaging in orgies, you need to let people know that. Name names, because otherwise you've just smeared every single Republican. Why Republicans? Because it's generally understood that Madison Cawthorn doesn't hang out with Democratic uh, lawmakers, right? Think about the Democrat that would hang out with him. Seriously, like that would be career-ending. Democrats hate Madison Cawthorn. So <laughs> if he tried to uh, appear in public or whatever word got out that he was hanging out with some Democrats, that, that, would, that would be lethal for them. So he's obviously talking about it. At one point, he says that these are people he looked up to. So ostensibly, these are Republicans. So he smeared his entire party. So he got called to the woodshed. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy said he was going to have a sit down with Madison Cawthorn, talk about the latest public comments, suggesting that some of his colleagues had invited him to orgies as well as used cocaine in front of him. That meeting occurred. 
Um, many GOP lawmakers privately expressed disbelief at Cawthorn's claims, particularly of the orgies. Some wondered if he made the comments consciously in a bid to portray himself as above such acts. Past media reports have addressed sexual misconduct allegations against him before his election. There's a desire among fellow Republicans for Cawthorn to identify the colleagues involved to prove the truth of his comments. But that desire to name names could also cause new headaches for a conference that's already faced an array of controversies this Congress. So writes Olivia Beavers at Politico. All right. So the sit down occurs. And Cawthorn, according to House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, who told reporters right afterwards, said Cawthorn admitted that his House Republican colleagues are not doing cocaine and throwing orgies. Cawthorn met with McCarthy, said some of his remarks were untrue or exaggerated, according to McCarthy. In the interview, this is what McCarthy says, in the interview, he claims he watched people do cocaine. Then when he comes in, he tells me, he says he thinks he saw maybe a staffer in a parking garage from 100 yards away. That's a very big difference, don't you think? It's unclear whether Cawthorn specifically admitted to McCarthy that the orgy's claim was untrue, sparking a firestorm of jokes and speculation on social media. McCarthy said, quote, it's just frustrating. There's no evidence behind his statements. And when I sit down with him, I told him you can't make statements like that as a member of Congress. That affects everybody else in the country as a whole. The GOP leader added that he told Cawthorn that he's lost my trust. He's going to have to earn it back. And I laid out everything I find is unbecoming. You can't just say you can't do this again. I mean, he's got a lot of members very upset. So this is what prompts the left and their allies in the media, like Travis Spain, to make the uh, the completely pedestrian and um, rel- overly relied upon argument. Oh, so this is what they find offensive. Well, yeah, they've been called, they've been personally attacked here. You've been personally attacked. That's the first thing. So, yes, there's a personal attack component here that is not at play in the others, uh, in the other examples. Number one. Number two, there is now a critical mass. You can tell there is now approaching, if not already achieved, a critical mass of uh, frustration. People are now fed up. Because it's one thing if it's one thing if it's one thing, it's another thing if it's lots and lots of things, and Cawthorn just keeps on doing things that embarrass people, and it's very difficult for people to ally with someone when they constantly embarrass them. There were a lot of people that when Cawthorn got elected, they hoped he would mature, that he would grow into the position. It doesn't seem like that is happening. And there were mentors that were supposed to be kind of guiding him. I was told by several people up in D.C. that that would be the case. That apparently hasn't been happening. That's why you're seeing what you're seeing. All right, so what do you think? 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. We'll take your calls on this up next. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. So what do you think about all of this 
Yeah, what do you think about the cocaine and the uh, orgies, the uh, cocaine-fueled orgies or the orgies of cocaine? I, Madison Cawthorn called into the, uh, the boss's office there. Not the boss, but House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy gives him a, a sit-down, and McCarthy goes out and tells reporters that Cawthorn says that he had exaggerated it. But now there's a story that... A day after a top Republican leader said Representative Madison Cawthorn admitted lying about a bombshell cocaine and orgy story, a Donald Trump-aligned operative has said Cawthorn denied that recanting, creating competing GOP narratives that Cawthorn has declined to weigh in on. Party officials in Cawthorn's Western North Carolina 11th District have also declined to help members of the split GOP decide whom to believe about the bizarre and potentially damning claim. This is a story that appears in the Asheville Citizen Times newspaper by a Democrat with a byline named Joel Burgess. Okay, so what do you think about all this? 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Do you believe Cawthorn? Or do you think he just made some of it up? Exaggerated. What do you think? Let me go over here to Dean. Hello, Dean. Welcome to the show. How are you? Good, Peter. Thank you. Hey, why Why would he, you know, you know politicians better. Why would he say those things? What would motivate him? I mean, it seems so, you know, does, did he think that everybody's going to think I'm a hero and not get that kind of backlash? Is he that naive as a politician? You tell me. I don't know. I don't, I try not to ascribe motives to individuals like that. I don't, I, and that's why you ask. That's why people ask him. And this guy, you know, guy on a podcast asks him a question. He answers as he does. Outrage ensues. And I think he, I think he owes people an explanation and he's not providing one. So why did why would somebody lie? Why does anybody lie? Do you, do you think that, you know, he's accountable to name names or just to, you know, reveal that? Um what do you mean? I'm sorry. I'm not following. The name names of who was there. I mean, apparently all the Republicans either want him to, you know, go into detail about what happened or else deny the whole thing. Do you well, think he's responsible to name names and back it up? Or Well, yeah. But, well, he So here's the, well, the, the, the problem is that by not naming who it was that invited him to these parties or was doing the coke, uh, by not naming the names, he's accusing everyone right and if i'm one of his gop colleagues particularly in the uh what i guess 60 year old to 70 year old range i think is what he said if i'm a republican colleague of his i'm really hacked off because he's now uh thrown a bunch of you know turds in my general direction that i'm gonna have to now deal with because I fit the demographic that he described, and now I'm going to be out at a campaign event and someone's going to make a joke about me or is going to insinuate something about me. That's not right at all. Look, I get it. The guy's 25 years old. Maybe he says stuff without thinking. He he runs his mouth, um, I, but I don't know. I, and maybe it's true, right? Maybe, maybe it's true. Maybe he's not lying. All right. Just in your opinion and your experience with him and, all, you know, and in following him a lot more than any of us, is does he appear to be a person capable of those kind of fabrications? Or, sure. I mean, is, really? Yeah, I, I don't know the guy. I, I'm not intimately involved with the guy. I, I, 
like he ran for office. I interviewed him one time in the primary. I interviewed him. I, I moderated it or uh, asked questions of him and Mo Davis during a debate. And then I had him on the show maybe once or twice after that. Each interview running, you know, probably on average 10 minutes. That's the extent of my interactions with him. So here's the other thing, too, mm-hmm. about me. And that I I separate and I can separate the person from the, the politician. I, I can do that. I can have perfectly... Uh, logical, reasonable, and and pleasant conversations with with anybody really about you know regular stuff. I don't have to make everything political and have a discussion about politics. Uh, I've given some examples over the years, but his predecessor, Mark Meadows, I got along great with Mark Meadows. Some of the stuff Meadows has done and said, I don't agree with. I don't have to agree with that, and I can I can say what Cawthorn is doing here, and I've said this before on other things that he has said and done. I I. I voted for the guy in the District 11 when I was living there, when he ran the first time, because my choice was Mo Davis. If I was in the 11th District now, I don't think I'm voting for him, not in a Republican primary. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, but I don't know. His, I, I, yeah, I, I can't tell whether or not he's lying or not because I don't know him well enough. Um, but never fall in love with politicians because they break your heart. They always will. Always. So... That's sort of my rule of thumb. I can get along with most anybody. We can talk about stuff, but um, that doesn't mean that I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to just ignore, you know, stuff like this. And I haven't. So, uh, Dean, I appreciate the call, but I, I don't know his motive, and I don't know if what if what he saw is what he saw, and I don't know if McCarthy's lying because that's the other thing. McCarthy could be lying. Kevin McCarthy could be lying. He could have had to sit down and then walked out of the meeting and said, "This is what he told me. He said he's a liar," and now Cawthorn is stuck. Now, Cawthorn's jammed up because he's got the head Republican guy that he's going to have to cross, right? So we're going to find out. But right now, Cawthorn's not talking. Cawthorn's spokesman, Luke Ball, did not respond to multiple messages. Cawthorn was not present either at a uh, House session yesterday. He voted by proxy. But what is now happening... Because there is such a field of candidates that have filed to run in that seat. And by the way, I point out, the only reason you've got all those candidates running for that seat is because of Cawthorn himself. Because he tried to abandon the 11th district. I suspect, and you know me, I say it all the time, I don't predict election outcomes. I'm not good at it. But if Madison Cawthorn is going to have a problem in his GOP primary, it's going to be because, I think, of his trying to go to a different district to try to run to a safer seat, to run in a safer seat. I think that's going to really rub some folks the wrong way. We'll get into more of that up next after news.